Well, take your Bibles and you have a note a card in your, uh, in your bulletin as well. Take that out. You're going to need that. I want to talk about why Jesus came as we approach the Easter season. It was just 10 years ago. Seems like yesterday. January 15, 2009. A U.S. Airways flight was taking off out of New York City's LaGuardia Airport. As it took off, it at a very, very vulnerable point, a flock of geese flew into the engines, plural, and knocked those engines out. They lost total power at a most vulnerable time. Taking off and landing are the two vulnerable points. Unable to reach the airport, the pilots, Chesley Sullenberger and Jeffrey Skiles, glided that plane, and you know the story. They glided that plane to do a ditch landing in the Hudson River off Midtown Manhattan, New York. The amazing part of it is, is all 155 people aboard were rescued by nearby boats. And there were very few, just a handful of, of minor injuries. It was a happy day if you turned on the evening news. It was amazing. The pilots were lauded as heroes, examined and asked, could you have done it differently and analyze it like we should do? But at the end of it, the day, they said, these guys were crazy great. Their training was just above and beyond. And then people cooperated. They actually did what the, what the airline employees told them to do. <laughs> when have you seen that before? Put your chair in the upright position. Yeah. The, the people on the boats, those boat crews were thanked profusely and over and over again. There have been reunion accounts and now video pieces that actually a motion picture became of it because this rescue effort was a total, absolute success, crazy great success. Now, you're asking why in the world are you telling me that story? Because it was a rescue effort and an amazing one. But there's an even greater one that happened a couple thousand years ago. And we celebrate it at Easter. It's when Jesus Christ went to the cross, died upon the cross for our sins, was buried, and rose again. I like the words of Andy Stanley. When anybody says they're going to die and come back in three days, I'm with him. (laughs) I like that. So why did Jesus come to earth, really? Why? It was a total rescue effort. That's why he came. It's summed up in one sentence. If you're in in a Bible, go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, Jesus is talking about why he really came. And I like what Mark does because he cuts right to the chase. Like in, in two lines, one sentence. Mark 10 verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth not to be served, not so people could wait on him. He's the Son of God. And he doesn't come to be served, but rather to serve. He shows us how to live by serving, and then he gives his life as a payment for sin, as a ransom for many. Not to exclude any, but for all those who would take him, as we'll soon see. And each weekend when we get together and worship our great God and we sing the songs and we pray the prayers and we hear the word, we also break the bread and we remember what Jesus did for us that weekend that we call Holy Week. He paid for our sins. Our sins cost him his life and that was the ransom payment. 
couple that, if you're in Mark, skip to, chap- to the next book, uh, the book of Luke, to chapter 19, where it comes to us again, for the Son of Man did not come to, he came to seek and to save those who were lost. He came to seek and to save those who were lost. So not only is he offering salvation, not only does he make the payment for salvation, but he is in an all-out search mode. If you were to go back to that airplane illustration where it lands in the river, that in and of itself is a phenomenal success to skid that thing down into the river without it tipping over. And then the fact that the people got out on the boat and if you out on the on the wings like it were a boat, and I'm thinking that the chances of that thing capsizing or if it sank, then it would pull people in it. It would have a suction effect the fact that all of those things are coming together for good that in and of itself is a miracle but that's not what jesus does not only does he do that but then he goes out on a mission to actually pick them up pull them out pluck them out of the water and that's the story that we see from luke chapter 19 the son of man comes not just to offer salvation in a passive way no he is seeking it He wants to seek and to save those who are lost. If there's any doubt, he calls himself the shepherd, which, by the way, would be a great uh, word study to take. It's a great word picture that goes back a thousand years, even as Jesus spoke it, when, uh, when David would write the most beloved psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus said, oh, by the way, I am the shepherd, and I'm not just the shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. I'll lay my life down for the sheep. In other words, I'll protect them. And like a good shepherd... I will go out looking for the lost one. I'll pen up the 99 and go after the one that we can't find. In other words, I'm going after the lost. So it isn't just about the ones we already have. It's more importantly about the ones that we don't. This is an extreme position to be in. And Jesus uses kind of like life illustrations uh, to tell the disciples uh, over and over, not only sheep tending, but he also does it with another illustration of fishing. Um, if you have your Bible open to Mark, go back to chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. I, I find that to be funny. Uh, almost funny because they're casting a net. What else would they be doing? Oh, because they're fishermen. Explain it really well. Thank you, Mark. And what does Jesus say? He says, come, follow me. And and by the way, that's for you and me too. Follow Jesus. And what does he say? And I'm going to send you out. Another translation, I'm going to make you. I'm going to transform you. I'm going to change your life. I'm going to send you out and you are going to fish for people. Now, at once they just left their nets. Why? Because they had seen this guy operate already. Jesus makes it abundantly clear. I want you to follow me. That's not a passive thing. That's a very active thing. And followers do one thing. Followers fish for people. That's how Jesus defines them. If you're a follower of Jesus, and I want to be that and so do you, then we've got to make it about the fish that are out there that need to be plucked and pulled in, harvested, if you will. Just keep following. Don't wander off. Don't be distracted. Don't sit down. Don't take the break. Jesus says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. You will be fishing for people. I'll change your life, and you will grow, and I'll develop you if you just keep 
following me, you'll find yourself really anticipating the day that you begin to catch some fish. And not for your own self, but really for Jesus' uh, endeavor, for his kingdom and his glory. Now, when you begin to be a follower of Jesus, a couple things happen. Um, he begins to change your heart, and he, he works on the edges of your life, and then he works towards your heart some more to the very things that are your core values. might challenge your patience or your honesty or um, some laziness within you or whatever that sin that so easily besets you hap- happens to be. But then, eventually, you begin to realize, if I really am a follower of Jesus, it can't be all about me. It has to be about fishing for other people. One guy said it this way, followers fish. It's really true. You see, the followers of Jesus not only serve each other, and that's what we want to be as followers of Jesus, not only do we follow Jesus by serving each other, but also by bringing other people to Jesus. We want to be like Jesus, but we could, we could never save them. When Jesus says, I want to serve and I want to give my life as a ransom, well, I'll never give my life as a ransom. I'll never be able to pay for the sins of another. can't even pay for my own. But what I can do is I can serve. And what I can do is seek and save those who, who are lost. I can go after them. Go back, if you will, to the airplane illustration just for a moment. There have been security cameras that since have been released on that Hudson River that day. And what they saw was the plane skid into the water. But it's a security camera, so it's just, just sitting on the river. And then you see these boats coming up. And what you don't realize is that people are piling out. And you know what they're telling them? Leave everything behind. Save yourself. You know, this is not the time for you to go to luggage. Get your luggage. This is the time to get out of the airplane. And so they go out to the wings. And as they go out to the wings, it's amazing the thing didn't tip. You know, I mean, it just... When you think about this, this is a, it's, a, it's an amazing rescue effort. Other boats begin to pull up, and you could just imagine, if you were one of the guys on the crew, you go to work that day, and maybe you're loading cargo, and you see this plane flying low over the river, a little lower than normal, and a little more quiet than normal. Wouldn't that be creepy? And then to realize, hey, we need to go rescue them. And then you get there, and you reach over, think about it, reach over the boat, and pull a guy up. And it's not, if you've ever done that before, it's not pretty. I mean, you're just grabbing people and pulling their, you know, designer shirts or sweaters, whatever it is, their designer belt, and hoisting them up. And they're grateful to get into the boat, but as soon as they get into the boat, someone throws a blanket around them, if they have a blanket, and then they go after the next one. You understand the picture here? And this guy back here is not stopping he may actually be turning and helping pull the next one in as well. You see the illustration? We don't get so happy with just those who made it into the boat. We realize the work is still there. In fact, there are some some of the reports that Sully, the, the pilot, actually ran the length of the plane twice to make sure nobody was down, still in the plane, or hiding in the back, or trying to get out a back door, just to make sure the plane was completely empty. For me... I would have stood at the door and said, Ali Ali, I'm come free. I would have... Uh, <laughs> I don't know that I would have run that. I mean, what a hero of a guy. Think about that. You, you understand the, the rescue effort, and, and the reason we can laugh about it is because it worked. Do you get that? Because it was a happy day. Uh, it was a day that we lost all of our luggage, and it really didn't matter. 
Think about it. Um, Wanda and I, when our kids were little, we, we had um, a rescue plan, and that plan was if something were to happen to the house and you know the kids are little, and we actually had one of those chain-type ladders that probably would tangle if it dropped out the window, or we would like throw it out the window onto the ground. But we, we had that, and we had a plan in a tree we'd meet at, and you don't go back in the house to get the puppy. You know, Daddy will go get the puppy, maybe. Um, <laughs> probably. Or Daddy would yell, Allie, Allie, I'm come free. But... Um, but we had this plan, and, uh, and she said, I sure hope that doesn't happen. I, I, I do too, and it never did. We never had uh, a safety issue like that, but we had a plan in mind. And the, but the idea of that is this. The happiest day of your life is when your house is burning down, but you are with your family across the street watching it. That's a happy day when you think about it, because what really matters is circled around you, Okay? And the happiest day for those people on that plane on that day was the day someone reached over the side of the boat and grabbed their belt and hoisted them up into that boat and threw a blanket around them and then went back to go get more. Because there's 155 people. Think about that. You're not just pulling one or two. You're pulling until you're exhausted. And that's the kind of effort we do for 155 people just think how important it is for eternity when you think of it in those terms. Let's go back to the text again. The followers of Jesus, Mark chapter, six, or chapter 1, he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to go after it. And, and you may be saying, I, I, I don't know how to do that. I don't want to do that. that. Those are the big objections. But he says, I will make you. I will send you out if you'll just simply follow me. Now, here, here are the objections. You ready? Because I can feel it. They come on when we talk about telling someone your else your, your story. I, I know there are objections, and I don't, I don't like it either. But maybe what you're feeling is, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I didn't know I was supposed to do that. Well, now you do. I don't know how to do that. And I'm hoping to get you some notes this week that will help you learn how to do that a little bit. If you don't have the notes and you don't get them in your small group, um, let us know at the office. We'll, we'll send you some notes this week. Um, some are embarrassed or afraid. Or some of you have, have been around people who are evangelists by heart, and it's just their nature. They like to talk to people, and they like to converse with people they don't know, and they like to tell people about Jesus, and they like to, they like to talk about heaven and hell and forgiveness and, and salvation. They use those terms freely, and you're going, I don't know if that's really helping or not. I, I don't know if that's really what it's about. Or you have someone at work who's talking about um, people going crazy in church or, or whatever that would be, and you're going, you know what, that's not helping people come to church or come to Jesus. They're actually scared of that. They're actually going to stay away from that. And, and let me tell you the number one reason I think people don't want to tell their story is because once we tell our faith story, now we have to live the Christian faith consistently. And that's exceedingly difficult to do. I, I don't like to be around outspoken evangelists who are hard-nosed and always drilling and always uh, preaching hard and always smacking people down. I, I don't like that because I don't like to be treated that way. And, and so I tend to back up from that myself. But it's not that they're just strong about evangelism. They're strong about everything. They're strong about 
brand names of refrigerators and stoves and cars because they have an opinion about everything. Even if they know nothing about it, they still have an opinion. Those are just opinionated people. But, but just for a moment, stop and think about it. Um, what if I consistently lived out my faith? What, would, what kind of message would that be? I had an appointment uh, recently that took me up by the mall. I don't go in the mall that often, but I, my appointment was outside the mall. And so I was in that mall drive, you know what I'm talking about? That circle drive? And people are coming off the main road so that they don't have stops, but people in the mall drive do. And um, so I pulled up and stopped, and the car in front of me then turns left. Well, then the car, as I go to pull up, the next one just follows right behind, just blows right through the stop. And, um, but doesn't turn, just goes past me. But I'm going, at this point, I'd been at a full stop, so I'm going two or three miles per hour. Not, not fast, because I've just come out of a stop. But she lays on the horn. Now, she's blown through the stop. She lays on the horn and then gives me that scary like, look at me like, what's wrong with you? Like, don't you know there's a sale? I've got to get there. Okay. All right, all right. I go, my gosh, lady. And, and you know what? You, you know what I initially, it, it, I was initially scared of that because the previous night there had been a road rage case on the news. And I thought, I don't, I don't want the dwarf to be in the news and me in particular to be in the news. So, but it, here's what my sinful little heart did. As soon as she went by, I looked in my rearview mirror to see what bumper sticker she had on her car, hoping it wasn't SPC. <laughs> Pray for me. Because I should have said, oh, I forgive you, child. I know you're late for work or whatever it is that you're doing, you know, but S-D-O-P, red sign means stop or at least pause, at least ponder it for a moment. Uh, you understand, if you wear the symbol, you got, you got to live out the faith. And that's exceedingly difficult, isn't it? I think that might be the number one reason. Um, but I'm not concerned about the screamer or the arguer or the highly opinionated person. You know what? I think about um, probably the person who led you to Jesus was probably not an overbearing, arguing person. By the way, I believe there's a place for apologetics and deep thought, all that. I just think most of the time those people win the arguments, but they don't really win the heart of the person. And, and here's, I think if we were to take the survey, what we'd find is this. The person who led us to Jesus, who was most significant in leading us to Jesus, was not the greatest arguer. They were maybe the most kind, or the most patient, or the best listener, or the most caring. And, and they were the most prayerful person. So don't think you have to have every answer. Don't think you have to have every argument. You don't. What you have to have is love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering. That's the fruit of the Spirit, see? If you carry those with you in exceeding amounts of joy, it can't help but come out of you. Um, and so when you serve other people and then help them come to Jesus, there are some wonderful things that will happen. Now, let me just give you three reasons why, and then we're going to close in prayer. 
Reason number one is this. We once had the need ourselves. We, we needed Jesus, and we still do. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We know what it is to fear the Lord and try to persuade others. And verse 14. For Christ's love compels us. It compels us. It just draws us. That we're convinced that, that one, that's Christ, died for all. There it is there, folks. If you ever wondered, did Christ die for all of us? Yes, he did. Not all will believe. I, I can't help it if people don't believe. But I do know this. The blood of Jesus covers the sin of all. He died for all. And this is not a game. And this is not about them coming to church. or uh, This is about salvation. This is a heaven and hell issue. Christ died for us and we needed him and he came for us and we still need him today. But once we're in the boat, if we get pulled in, like go back to the airplane illustration and the boats come up on the Hudson River. Once we get pulled into the boat, now our concern isn't just about the people in the boat. No, now our concern is for the people who are not in the boat yet. And if they stay on that airplane wing, it's going to be a sad day. Romans chapter 10, if you're taking notes. How can they hear unless there's a speaker? How can they someone speak unless he's sent? And it, it says it this way. It's an Old Testament quote. How beautiful are the feet of those who tell the good news. How beautiful are the feet. Feet was not something that people complimented in biblical days because it's where animal life took place, that low on the ground. And he's saying, even your feet are beautiful when you're telling the good news about Jesus. So, we have the need. But secondly, um, uh, Jesus asked us to do this. If you're taking notes, Second Peter chapter uh, 3, the Lord is not slow concerning his word. He wants, he wants us to come to repentance, to faith. Uh, by, by the way, the reason the church serves the community, we serve those who are already in the boat, but we serve the larger community. The reason is because Jesus loves the larger community. And, and he wants the sheep to follow, be in the pen, but he wants those outside the boat to be in the boat. And, and those outside desperately need it, even when they don't realize it. Um, there's actually, if you go back to the uh, Hudson River story, there was a man and a woman, uh, not a married couple, but a man and woman on that flight, who before the boats came... Uh, they were standing on the wings, and they're very smart people, and they said to the, each other, we can't stay on the wings, because this, if this thing sinks, it's going to create a suction, and it'll pull us all under, we'll all drown. And, and that's a real possibility. And so they were going to jump in the water, January water. They were going to jump in the water and swim to shore, and they were pretty good swimmers. They thought they could do it. Fortunately, boats came. Understand this. People will try all kinds of things, get that, to save themselves. And they'll be very creative about it. But the only real salvation is to get in the boat. And when you pull someone in, let me tell you, that's point number three. There's a thrill factor to it. I'm, back, I'm ahead of myself. Point number two. Jesus asked us to be involved in the work of evangelism. He says, peace I leave with you, John chapter 20. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Very last words. He's about to go back to the Father. He says, you'll receive the Holy Spirit when he comes on you, and when he does, you will be my witnesses. What is that? 
when the Holy Spirit comes, you'll be the witnesses of me. You will tell the story about my death and burial and resurrection. The day you trusted Christ, the Holy Spirit moved inside of you. And that day, you now become one of the witnesses of the life-changing power of Christ in our lives. So tell your story. And you know what? You don't have to, it doesn't have to be complete. You have to have it all figured out. But Jesus asks you just to tell your story. And that's good enough. But I just want to leave you with this one. It's number three. It's the thrill factor. There's something really cool, something really fun. Nothing else can compare the adrenaline rush of seeing someone saved, rescued. Um, And um, I think of that even today. The guys on those small boats that pulled those people aboard that day from that flight. And just think of the reunion that they would have the next year or two or three and now ten as, uh, oh sure, all humility is gone, all self-pride is gone, but that guy saved my life. He helped pull me into the boat. Uh, Jesus talks about that. It's in Luke chapter 15. Suppose a woman has ten coins, silver coins, but she loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully till she finds it? And when she does, she calls her friends and neighbors, says to them, rejoice with me. Why? Because I found my lost coin. You know what? She was happy she had nine, but she's missing the one. He says, I tell you the same thing. There's rejoicing in the presence of the angels. This is what the angels party over in heaven. When one sinner repents, when someone comes to Jesus, the angels have a party in heaven. They are delighted. Why? Because this is what we're made for. There is an adrenaline rush when you see someone come to Jesus in faith. We have what people are looking for. And and you know what? Uh, It is the cure not only to get them to heaven, but it's also the cure for many of the ills of their misery and hopelessness here on earth. So when people come to Jesus, there's a real relief, but there's a real joy for us that we get to be a part of what God is up to in the world. Uh, Think about it just uh, one more time. Suppose you were on the Hudson that day working on a boat that was loading boxes that was going to go down the river to be shipped someplace. And you hear a plane landed in the river. You're going, (laughs) yeah, right. No, really, it did. We're supposed to go. And so they take off. And just think of the sheer joy. And maybe you pulled out one or two or three or four or five people or you were part of something else. As people were pulling people, you were going down below and making coffee for them or wrapping them in a blanket that you found down in the, in the hull of the boat. Now, I want you to think of that in spiritual terms. You arrive into heaven and someone walks up to you and says, I went to heaven, I got to heaven because you pulled me into the boat. Think about that. And think of the joy of that. Can you imagine being in heaven and having someone there because you told them about Jesus? So that's why Jesus came. Would you bow with me in prayer? Let's stand, shall we? There's no doubt in our minds, Lord, that you have been good to us and patient and kind And you not only provide salvation, but you brought along people to make sure the delivery happened.
we are really grateful, not only for that salvation, but for the people who brought it to us. And so may we be instruments of your peace and of your joy and of your good news in Christ, we pray. In the Savior's name, through the power of your spirit, we pray these things. Amen. Amen.